We're Names Change. And we write songs. Hi, my name is Kevin and I have a podcast. On this episode of Why Do You Do That? My guests are Cameron Bright and Jacob Friedman of the band Names Change. Names Change is an alternative folk rock band that hails from North Carolina and boy do they sound like it. Their latest album, Six Feet from Sunrise, came out on June 4th and is available wherever you find music. It features songs inspired by Dylan, Springsteen, and some other folk artists that Cameron could name but I've never heard of. It was a blast recording this first ever two-guest episode of Why Do You Do That? And honestly, I cannot recommend enough going out and listening to their stuff. It was great getting to listen to artists talk about their whole process and the inspiration behind the music that I've been listening to for the past few weeks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin, and as a reminder, I have a podcast. This is it. Uh, on this week, uh, we've got Names Change, uh, a great band out of North Carolina. Um, welcome, Names Change. You just had an album release a couple weeks ago, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having us on the show, Kevin. We're wonderfully excited as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, no, really glad to have you. Um, I guess we'll start with one thing first. Since I know um, every every podcast I've ever listened to, if I imagine what the voices sound like and like who is which voice, I never get it correct. Um, so could we get some some tie between Jacob and Cameron? Just you know, say hey, my name's Jacob. Hey, my name's Cameron. So so the listeners know who they're listening to. Yeah, my name's Jacob. Yep, and I'm Cameron. <laughs> All right, listeners, you now know who you're listening to. <laughs> I want no further questions about that. Someone put up a banner. I'll try to speak in a, a, a typical Jacob way, distinguished from Cameron. We'll do some, some classic Jacob, some vintage Cameron, and then hopefully you'll be able to, to piece it together with the songs that you listen to as well. Perfect, perfect. And uh, with that first bell, we're going to head on over to history class. Um, so as I was telling, telling the guys before we hit record that I was going through their Spotify bio, um, and I was a little confused by it. So I think Jacob probably is, is possibly the, uh, the best person to answer this. Can you give us a little bit of a history on the band itself? Um, maybe the history of its name and its membership and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It has a, a bit of a mysterious origin. Um, I, when I went to UNC, um, I was with a, a friend there who played piano and we were constantly playing everywhere. You know, we played in uh, the uh, basement of Hill Hall and people would sometimes just come in and, and play with us. And every time someone came in, we changed the name of the, the band. <laughs> and so it changed so many times that eventually we just settled on names change. And, uh, Eventually, uh, that guy actually ended up going to medical school. And um, around the same time, uh, the pandemic hit and uh, Cameron and I reconnected. Uh, we went to high school together and uh, he said, hey, why don't we make an album? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And uh, so that was our, uh, our real first full production album, Men Do Cry. All right. All right. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Now, is there anyone else that's playing on either on Men Do Cry or on uh, Six Feet from Sunrise? Is it just you two that's playing on it? 
just us yeah i will say us playing but we do have some special guests you know that pop in and out some features as it as it were so that is true um, there is you might uh, recognize the sultry tones of, of henry faust on on one of the <laughs> one of the men do cry pieces uh yes and uh we will be talking more about that piece uh later on in english class actually <laughs> let's not jump uh, ahead then <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah spoilers for everyone else that's listening uh on here all right glad glad we got that out of the way it makes a little bit more sense um definitely definitely questioning on that when did you when did you start working specifically on the latest album oh wow well i think we maybe started in in maybe september or so we had taken a break after mindu cry came out um just to sort of recuperate energy um but then almost immediately after it released i know that at least i was just I was like, yeah, we put out an album. We got to make more music. Let's hit the ground running. And, and I started writing songs like the day after it came out. I don't know where you were at, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I remember we had a call like maybe a week or two after Men Do Cry came out. And on the call, you know, we were just like, oh, you know, how how'd you like the album? What songs we liked and stuff. And by the end of the call, we had our guitars up to the phone uh, practicing for the next album. So it was it was pretty quick. <laughs> so like I'm imagining are, when you say up to the phone, were you on video call actually or like FaceTime or something? Most of the time we, we Zoomed with each other. Uh, every now and then we, we just called over the phone and, and talked. But uh, most of our process was remote, especially for this album. Yeah, I, that would. Why? Why would it be remote? That doesn't. Why wouldn't you just be in person? <laughs> I uh, so I live. <laughs> <laughs> I live in uh, Athens, Georgia. Actually, I'm going to law school there, and ah. so I, I, Cameron and I do get together in person whenever I come home. Uh, but a lot of time, or most of the year, we're we're in different cities. So this has worked out well this year, given the the pandemic and. Uh, everyone trying to be safe. So we had a few porch jams for Mindu Cry and sort of figured things out um, outside socially distanced for the first album. But for the second album, you know, we figured out the Zoom thing. Uh, we're really in, you know, in the thick of music, music writing from afar. So uh, it ended up being lots of Zoom calls. Do you ever try to like play it, sign, like play together on Zoom? Or is it just like, hey, listen to this little thing that I worked out. How do you feel about this part of the song? We we have tried uh, doing it over Zoom before. It's it's a little chaotic. Yeah, uh, I feel know, like the lag like, would be difficult. The yeah, the delay and stuff. But uh, usually we send like GarageBand files back and forth, and that's the easiest way for us to show things off. Sweet. And uh, with with that belt, I guess it's time to move over to biology class. Um, Cameron, you mentioned how you were kind of you know vibing off of the the previous album and that was making you feel like you wanted to uh to get back into it um i had a question on the we'll call it the genomic makeup of the band mm, yeah. uh that term kind of spawning from when uh pandora first started and they were uh basing what they were talking about off of the human genome project and they called it the music genome project with similar artists being grouped together and if you're interested in in x you might be also interested in y um can you you know i was i listened to the latest album uh six three from sunrise a lot over the past week or so uh even more in the past uh 24 hours as i was putting together some notes for this but uh i've got some some examples of things that i saw 
But before I get those in, I kind of want to hear what, what from your perspective each. So Jacob, let's start with you. Uh, what's, <laughs> what's been your kind of musical inspiration? There's, there's a lot of musical inspirations. I think for me, um, and, and Cameron will tell you the same, I, I'm heavily influenced by Bob Dylan, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I also, you know, I, I'm a 60s guy, I tend to try to take some inspiration from the Beatles, although they've got a much better voice than, uh, than <laughs> I do. And uh, a little bit of Bruce Springsteen every now and then. Um, sometimes Mac DeMarco comes in as inspiration. Uh, so a little bit of everything. That's uh, It's interesting you say that. Actually, uh, one of my notes was Take Me Down the River uh, kind of feels like Dylan. And I think it it might just be the, the instrumentation a little bit on it, um, yeah. but also the, the kind of the, the storytelling in it uh, is, is a little Dylan-esque. Oh, thank you. That, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. Which one of you, which one of you plays the harmonica, by the way? That's me. That's, that's me. you? Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Who, and who plays the piano? I, well, I play garage band piano. I wouldn't, you play I wouldn't say it. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> we use the MIDI a lot for the piano bits. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, Cameron, how about you? Yeah, I think, I think our overlap is really on that Bruce Springsteen side of things. Um, I, I definitely grew up a lot listening to him. Um, I'd say, you know, I, I try to pull, pull from different places um, with guitar. Definitely. I've, I've been listening to a lot of like Josh Smith recently and, um, and John Mayer's come out with a new single that has got me excited for the summer, but um i think i think going back to it uh I'm, I'm i'm most inspired by sort of the like sort of clapton sort of hendrix stuff but um but also you know folk people like wayne henderson have have definitely uh, and doc watson i suppose is also really a big influence on them on my songwriting at least thank you for uh naming some folk people because uh as as a genre as a like you know the folk rock is not necessarily a genre that I spend a lot of time listening to. Um, I definitely, I think, would you guys describe yourselves as uh, alternative folk rock? Is that, I think that's the, the oh, terminology I've seen. It's all the buzzwords right there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like on the side of that, the alternative is the closer to what I am relating to. So for example, the the other, the other, uh, the tie-ins that I pointed out. Um, so space in my mind, I don't mind saving space in my mind, space in my mind for you. I don't mind saving space in my mind, space in my mind for you. So space in my mind almost is an acoustic vampire weekend and i think it's <laughs> i think it's the piano or the keyboard bit in it is uh what what i'm feeling on that one i'm not sure what it is um but then on the other end of the spectrum worth it might be a taylor swift song that she just hasn't <laughs> recorded yet <laughs> i love it would you agree Taylor Swift needs to write more protest songs. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's the, the like the the vocal phrasing on that one where you just kind of you're kind of like leaning into the ends of phrases and it 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 for some reason was was vibing with some like early Taylor Swift days uh, as I was listening to it and then the uh, the last one that I had written down 
uh, the calm, which maybe this would actually be a really good time to uh, put in some some audio. So here's a little bit of the beginning of the calm. beginning of the calm to me is almost the beginning of Hotel California. Oh. <laughs> was, was that intentional? Not at all. I mean, the, I think, I think you have to watch out for copyright stuff. Certainly. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely very different. I don't know uh, if you guys have listened to a lot of Rick Beato or watched a lot of Rick Beato videos on, on YouTube, but he definitely goes into like what makes a song great um, for a lot of different pieces of, of classic rock. And, and one of the things he loves to touch on is the sort of introductory riff that, that sparks a lot of classic rock songs and how that can, can really set the tone for the piece. And so I think I was mainly, mainly drawing from his sort, of, his sort of guidance on that one. Um, but he does love Hotel California, I'm sure. So. <laughs> Sweet. That's actually a... Uh, you call that an introductory riff? Is that is that kind of? Well, that's, yeah. that's what he calls it. I, yeah, he's he's like a big big studio guy. So um, that's sort of where I've I've taken a lot of my, my inspiration in terms of mixing and, and trying to sort of produce produce our songs. But um, but yeah, yeah. I, I sort of swear by him uh, when it comes to defining things. All no, rock and roll. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely um, my my musical background. Um, I was in middle school and high school bands. Uh, and that was about it. And it's, you know, all, all low brass instruments. Uh, so the, the idea of any sort of, uh, I think my musical terminology is a little bit lacking in uh, uh, things that people would actually want to listen to other than just, uh, you know, trombone concertos. So <laughs> all, that, all that being said, if you love Hell Check California, will you love the calm? I mean, probably you guys should probably. Go yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to actually highlight in my notes, uh, the calm though. I can get those files from you for, for that one there. Uh, and we'll let, let our, let our listeners, uh, hear a little bit of there in there. I do. I do love the calm. It's a, it's a good song. Um, all right. <laughs> hey everyone, head on over to, uh, duncansdrafts.substack.com slash why do you do that for something magical now back to the show with that bell i think uh it might be good to head over and over to business class um which is something that i'm kind of interested in of just kind of the uh let's say division of labor of producing an album definitely not something that i think well, I know most people have not experienced and gone through. So obviously you've got the writing of the music, you've got the, the writing of the lyrics, but then you also have the, the mixes and the recording equipment and uh, promotional stuff, cough, cough, um, and getting on, <laughs> you know, getting some sort of distribution uh, going, that sort of thing. So I guess, um, with all of those examples, how do you guys break up the uh, creation of the music? We'll start from there. Yeah, um, with, you know, being remote, that's definitely uh, important. Kind of having a structure of how to uh, how to write songs, and I think 
what's uh what's beautiful is that me and Cameron have uh different processes I think a lot of times but we sort of uh converge together to to make it work I I a lot of times will start with the lyrics and then you know sort of pile on the music and then uh we we try to share you know our early versions so that we can both kind of give input and start uh you know laying stuff over it I think I don't want to speak for Cameron, but I think Cameron is probably more likely to start with the music and then and then go to the lyrics. Is that is that fair to say? Totally. Yeah, I think I, I basically 100 percent of the time I'm looking to start with like some sort of chord progression and then sort of derive a melody that feels good on top of that. And um, and once I have the sort of melody and where I want, to, want the song to go, then I'm sort of like singing nonsense lyrics under my breath where. You know, when I, when I start hearing about a song from Jacob, you know, I, I get a word doc first and it's got the whole thing <laughs> laid out. The whole ballad is, is ripe for the, um, the making. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and I think that even our first interactions uh, writing songs together, that was really, really sort of played out that way. Um, he had written this this gorgeous sort of song, three words on our first album, Men Do Cry. And boy, is it a banger. Um <laughs> But he had he had it all written out, um, but but didn't really have any music associated with it, so he just shipped it over. And I like you know I spent spent the weekend sort of coming up with a a tune to go alongside it, and and we we produced it from there, and and then he sang on it, and I think it came together really nicely. Um, and we sort of followed that sort of similar structure for for most of our work. So then you're you're going through, uh, one of you brings up, hey, we've got I got these lyrics, uh, can you write some music to it? Hey, I've got some music, let's let's figure out some some non non gibberish lyrics sat into it or, or refine that do you go through do you go through trials of hey does this work are you doing everything yeah totally uh, yeah yeah i think it's a huge amount of iteration i think that's like the the one thing that i've taken away is uh it, you know we we sort of get on a zoom call basically once a week i think when we're in the, when we're in the midst of the album album process and we'll go through and you know share each of our songs ahead of time so we'll have a time to listen to it and then we'll sort of like share screen show the garage band you know um, file and and go through it and say okay you know I like this part don't like this part so much you know can I add this here or maybe you should change that there um, and the songs really do um, change a ton from you know beginning to end uh, we I think what was it like a couple weeks ago Jacob we were going through and listening to some of the earlier iterations of some of the songs that have come out and it's, it's wild to see where they started versus um, where they ended up yeah a lot of our songs started with completely different chords or, or completely different instruments or you know, different melodies, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of change. We're, we're really doing our best to uh, build the retrospective bootleg album at the, at the end of all this. So we just Absolutely. have uh, tons of, uh, there's, there's been like, there's like 10 versions of space in my mind, 16 of the storm. I think it's, mm -hmm. we, we go, we go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was uh, definitely like a, a moment for me when, and I, I guess probably this is just showing some some ignorance of the of the music industry. But when uh, Spotify released a ton of uh, Beatles bootlegs, and I was like, "Oh, this is how this recording goes." Like, and and you know, it'll be uh, "Let It Be" take seventy eight, and you're like, "What? <laughs> they didn't just hit record and just go?" <laughs> I think we've only had like one song where where we could have put out the first first recording of it. Um, I think that was actually uh, where, um, what was that one, Jacob? That's um, uh, "Stolen Words," uh, yeah. one of the songs on this album, and uh, 
yeah we ended up going with uh with a later uh version of the song but the uh the first the first version could have been the best maybe yeah it's it's hard to say we'll have to put out put out an outtakes track like jacob said but um but it's <laughs> rare that you get something that's gold on the first first endeavor yeah sure sure so all right so you've you've written it you've recorded it um you've you've done it is one of you the person who is like better at doing the the final you know final mastering of everything or do you kind of just do it you know this is my song i got this one covered this one's yours you got that one covered i think jacob definitely took the the primary role in the first album um but we did i think we both did a little bit of tinkering um on this album i think we mostly stuck to doing sort of the songs that we had put in the most vocal efforts on um, doing our own mixing for that. Um, and then I think Jacob, you actually hired a guy for, for some of your stuff this time, this time around. I'd be curious what your thoughts were on that process. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with um, a guy, uh, uh, his uh, studio is called uh, quasi quasi studios in Athens, Georgia, and uh, went in to do some vocal tracking with him. And, and he did some of the mixes for, uh, for this album and uh yeah it was it was an interesting you know it was a fun experience to uh you know go go into a studio and you know tell somebody uh, blabber on about a song to somebody else it was it was fun yeah that sounds awesome a lot, of, a lot of fun so then once you have all of that done do you uh so like for example when i when i release this podcast uh we record it I go into Audacity, do a little bit of tinkering, drop in some some ads and things. Uh, but other than that, I kind of upload it to uh, upload it to Anchor, and then it just gets distributed uh, to all of the places that you could possibly want to listen to a podcast. Is is that kind of a, a similar deal that that you guys have when you're releasing the album? Like, is it just an upload to Spotify button? <laughs> We, uh, we, we use a music distributor. It's, it's similar. Uh, we, we use the distributor and then it kind of goes out to all, you know, Spotify, Apple music, YouTube, that kind of thing. So, uh, it's definitely easier these days to kind of get all your music out there at once. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. Are there any, have you guys started planning? I, maybe this is, maybe I'll need to cut this part out, but have you guys started planning the next album yet? <laughs> yeah. I've been talking about it. We have some, have some demos that we floated uh, to each other. I think they're our last sort of last sort of hangout session. Um, you know, we've got some, some concept. We've definitely got, we, we just sort of do pro- prototype albums, I guess is sort of what, what ends up happening where we, we have like a, a bank of like 20 or 30 songs that we've been working on or sort of have like in the queue to maybe be on an album and, um, they're dropped into like right now we have album three which is like codenamed whimsy we have album 3.1 which is codenamed country and we have album 3.2 which is codenamed face antiques and so <laughs> you know we just sort of we're trying to trying to fit you know what where does this song make sense you know what has the most promise what do we want to work on next um and that sort of thing awesome awesome well uh with that bell uh i guess it's time to go over to uh psychology and uh we'll, we'll see what we got here so uh, first question in psychology is talking about the opening to the storm. And um, there's some fun, I call them stereo ear switches.
is right. there first question <laughs> is there a better word for that so like you're listening to it uh with your headphones in and it, it goes back and forth between back and forth yeah it's got a pan is that is that the word that i want that's what i would say what would you say jacob yeah i think pan is the right word yeah all right now was was that intentional to kind of set you off balance because that's what it did to me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i don't know if we wanted everybody off balance but the whole part of the storm i think that was the most interesting for me was trying to get the all of the the little plugins and the the little effects pedals and and everything that we were using um to sort of lead into the the whole idea of the storm this whole you know sort of visual metaphor that we're trying to construct throughout the song and um, the lead guitar has this sort of woozy, sireny sort of feel that could almost feel like, you know, like a wind or waves crashing sort of a thing. And um, the the background sort of, uh, I guess, bass, bass track is sort of how we refer to it. Um, riff uh, definitely has that sort of pan going on. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it was was intentional to sort of put a little bit of disquiet in your heart, not necessarily to throw you off them. Sure. All right. And this is uh, bleeding into English class a little bit. Uh, but since you mentioned the, the kind of the, the visuals that you're, that you're trying to convey in the storm and that, and that kind of visual metaphor, I feel like in, uh, in Hole in My Shoe, parentheses, so long, I don't know how to, how do you actually say that verbally? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a, a really kind of, it was an interesting story piece of almost, I, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's kind of non-linear like vignettes of a relationship, correct? Yes, oh, thank you All so right. much for getting uh, that. We that's love beautiful. it when somebody gets something, man. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it, that's the most rewarding <laughs> part of this whole, whole process. <laughs> it was, and it's, it's really like, it's, it seemed really effective uh, in kind of telling that story because that's, not when you look back on a relationship, like you don't think of it linearly at all, but you certainly have key memories that stick out. Um, and I, I remember some time this back, the reason this is in English class is uh, senior year of high school reading um, Faulkner. And yes, I am comparing you guys to Faulkner right now. Um, I'm honored. <laughs> and I can't even, this is infuriating. Everyone's screaming at their, uh, at their phones right now. Uh, Faulkner's biggest book. Don't, don't worry. When I look back at my past Faulkner relationships, the, uh, the reflection is skewed for me too. Don't worry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Sound and the Fury is, is the book that I'm thinking of. Um, have you guys, have either of you read it? Uh, no, I haven't. The hell of a title though. I love it. Okay. So it's a story about, uh, oh my gosh, if you're an English major, please ignore this summary. Uh, two kids, uh, and their, their life. And it's, it's non-linear. And if you're reading it in print, it switches between normal print and italics. And every time it jumps to italics, there was some sort of time change. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like non-italic is time A and italic is time B. It just means there was a change. So it's going back and forth. Apparently the original idea behind the book was to have every time have its own color coding, but it cost way too much to print. And so they had to you know, jump down into this mm. italics things. And 
as an 18 year old, it was possibly the most infuriating thing I ever had to read because it would shift times in the middle of a sentence. And you're just like, how am I supposed to know what this is? And uh, listening to Hole in My Shoe reminded me of that book, because, but I wasn't infuriated by it. It actually made more <laughs> sense um, in it. And maybe that's just because I could maybe relate to the song a little bit more. Maybe it was just because I wasn't being forced to listen to it for the AP exam. <laughs> like, who knows? Uh but um, yeah, I, one, I just kind of wanted to talk about that song and, and how much I enjoyed listening to it. But kind of like, what is, how do you even go about writing a, a song like that? Um, certainly, I know you mentioned, uh, Cameron mentioned earlier, Jacob will come out with like this whole ballad and he'll just start from there. Um, is that even something, can you just start from a song like Hole in My Shoe? Well, uh, this one definitely took some work and um, Cameron and I spent a, spent a good amount of time on the lyrics for this one. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of times I have, I just have note files on my phone and, you know, I just, I just type what I'm thinking and mm -hmm. it just comes out like, you know, verbal vomit uh, for a <laughs> while. And then, you know, I, I have this whole page of words and I try to you know shape it into something that kind of makes sense and uh and that's usually you know what I send to Cameron with the you know with the demo and um yeah this one uh we, I actually started thinking about it uh when I was walking along the side of a road uh one time and uh you know I, I just sort of started thinking about the past and stuff and so I, I just sort of took what I was thinking about, but I definitely took some artistic liberties. I haven't uh, really uh, cried in the yard of, uh, of someone's dad, but uh, Also, yeah. the deniability is really key, I think, in our songwriting, because a, <laughs> a lot of our, a lot of our songs do really come from the heart, but, you know, who's singing it, who's writing it, you know, the lines are, are sometimes blurred, and I think that gives us a, you know, a good level of uh, ambiguity um, <laughs> whenever people are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and richness to the song, because, you know, what starts out is my experience. We take Cameron's experiences and, and vice versa. And, you know, it kind of becomes this this new web. Totally. Yeah, certainly it's the 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 balance of art in general is is making it meaningful, but also uh, general universal. Uh, mm -hmm. And you you get that when you have two voices acting together where you can draw from specific experiences and then, and then pull in elsewhere, which is, which is interesting, which uh, leads us into another song. Uh, and this one isn't on Six Roots from Sunrise. This one is on uh, Men Do Cry. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. And there's a song that I actually listened to for the first time uh, on a plane. Uh, I downloaded that entire album and just listened to it. It was my, I had like a, a 30 minute flight uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm just gonna listen to this song or this this album, and uh, "Wear Your Darn Mask" came up, <laughs> and I actually I texted Cameron as soon as the plane landed, because when I saw it coming up, I was like, oh wow, they did a screamo song, 
Interesting. That, that seems <laughs> off-brand, but there's no way this song could be anything else. Uh, and then it wasn't a Screamo song, but it's also definitely not like other songs on the album. Um, yeah. How'd you guys come up to, to that? So it's, it's very much instrumental and then just spoken, spoken word <laughs> at the end. Would you say that? Yeah, I think I think the concept there was sort of as an intermission to break up the two sort of pieces of the the album. Um, we we wanted to have a song that that sort of separated, like I said, the, the two sort of two sort of genres that we've been working with. And um, I think I think it I think having a nice little calm moment in between in between lots of angst can go a long way. So um, we wanted to give our audiences a, a little bit of a break, but uh, but yeah, we brought on brought on Senior Faust uh, onto that song, and I think he just he just tore it up. You know, it might not be screamo, but um, but the spoken word that he does at the end, I think is really compelling. And I think it's, it sent a message to the U S when the U S really needed, needed a message to be sent. So and I'm, I'd be love to hear your, your thoughts on this, uh, Jacob. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think, you know, it was, it was really special for us to have, uh, Faust on for those who, uh, who, who don't know about Faust. He was our, uh, he was a Spanish teacher at our high school, but he was also our, our student council advisor and, that was one of the things that really uh, brought me and Cameron together as friends, uh, student council. And uh, he's also just an incredible person and super well-respected uh, in, in Pittsburgh. And I think to hear his voice at a time of complete uncertainty and trouble was uh, really refreshing. And so I, I was really happy that we were able to get him for the album. It's a little yeah. bit like FDR, you know, sort of getting up there on the podium and, and laying down the real talk <laughs> during World War II. You know, you got to listen then to the fireside chats. So uh, maybe we should we should grab a little bit of uh, of where your darn mask, and we'll drop that in here. this album for like a month or so and I'm thinking Cameron said something I'm like y'all are doing what we're, we're, we're doing songs I'm like y'all sing because I knew Cameron played the guitar but I didn't know you played the guitar at all so that was all a surprise to me well the first one would be about the quarantine itself and it's like y'all got to get real because this is just taking way too long spend time with yourself but it's also a good opportunity to reach out to other people and really um, slow down and wear your darn mask. Most of us don't want to see your face anyway. So. <laughs> oh God. So yeah, now that now that everyone has had a chance to to listen to that through the magic of editing, uh, <laughs> um, I yeah certainly was. Uh, thought it was a really a really good piece. Uh, we've got two classes left today, uh, and I guess we'll we'll go first to geography, which is uh, perhaps the the most stretch of a class uh, that I could get. But <laughs> I, you know, so one, you've got a song called "Take Me Down the River," right? Um, which is actually in a, a regular rotation playlist of mine now, uh, just because. 
I enjoyed listening to it so much. Um, <laughs> Always unsolicited compliments, man. They're going a long way. I don't know if they're for the sake of the li- hey, listeners or for us, but I appreciate it, man. Compliments will get you everywhere, right? <laughs> uh, but so, I don't know. Rivers, obviously, very common metaphor for, for, for moving stuff. Uh, you've got the line in the song, uh, I'll leave it all behind for some hope, which is, is really the line that is what made me enjoy uh, the song so much. Um, and, and kind of relate to it. Um, but then also uh, at the same time, you've got uh, the song Achilles in an Apartment, uh, which was one of the singles for the album. And uh, you've got the line headed back to Raleigh and raising a glass to your flight. Gave you an overdose on dreams, a fistful of fights, a licking from ambition. Oh. Knocked out your lies. Now I'm heading back to Raleigh and raising a glass to your fly. By now, Achilles, your clock has finally run out of time. So you've got a lot of movement happening uh, geographically, but at the same time, uh, I would say that the sound of the band is kind of distinctly I don't I guess I don't know enough to say distinctly North Carolinian but it definitely feels oh, definitely definitely distinctly it, North Carolinian it, it, okay <laughs> yeah and I was wondering like what is the how, why <laughs> obviously you're both you know have lived there um but even just listening to it it definitely gives off that energy um do you guys have any insights as to why that is I, I feel like for us names change for a starts and ends with with pittsburgh north carolina you know we have a lot of our promo stuff we do by the bottom bridge off of off the hall river um that's right beside where where we grew up and went to uh, both grew up actually and both uh, went to high school um geographically obviously uh, jacob's moved to to athens and i'm in i'm in durham now and i've I've done quite a bit of of travel for work um but, but yeah i think i think uh for me names change is a lot about home you know so i'm very curious what Jacob has to say about that but uh, yeah absolutely I, I definitely agree that Pittsburgh is the heart of it and I think you know also it's it's cool because Cameron and I have have very uh different music tastes in one sense uh but at the same time I think that they they overlap with kind of North Carolina a, a little bit with folk and uh I think it's it's a beautiful overlap that uh you know, we've, we, we kind of bring in things from different styles. I, you know, I kind of bring in some of the, uh, you know, more basic Bob Dylan stuff and the harmonica and, and Cameron brings in this, you know, awesome complex, like, you know, guitar stuff from, from Hendrix and Clapton. And uh, I think that's, that's what I love about it is kind of the, the fusion of that. And I think it's just, you know, natural that the North Carolina sound comes out of it. Awesome. And now in the calm, uh, you do reference hometown bars. Is there a specific bar that you were thinking of with that, with that story? Oh man. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, first of all, hometown bars, you know, you get the double meaning with the, the bars that we're writing about our hometown, you know, 
Um, and then you also got the bars. Oh my God. I didn't even catch that. Uh, that is, it. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Out, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I got to shout out the right, the Raleigh times. Certainly. Um, Mitch's, uh, those are, these are some classics. Um, where, where Mitch's, are your kids? Which, uh, <laughs> Jacob, we'll get to you there, but Mitch's is one of the few bars I know because they filmed the, uh, 1980s, romantic comedy sports movie bull durham uh there's a scene that was filmed at mitch's <laughs> <laughs> indeed now mitch's mitch is an establishment I, I i'm slightly concerned that it's, it's been uh, put out of commission here but um you know, rest in peace to all of our our good good restaurants put out of town by um by the coronavirus yeah i uh there's there's been a lot of uh a lot of bars that have inspired me, but I think uh, I, I got to give, you know, the, the calm, one of the things I think that's key to it is, you know, the, the narrator really wanting to, to do something and, you know, find some action. And to me, the perfect bar for that is this place called Coyote Joe's. And I used to live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, you walk in there, you're, you're always going to find some kind of action, good or bad. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was, it was like a line dancing bar. They had a mechanical bowl. Uh, the floors were disgusting. It was a great bar. I love, yeah, I love the, the line. <laughs> the floors were disgusting. It was a great bar. I, true, <laughs> truer words have never been said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, uh, that bell there, it is time for our final class of the day, which is, uh, we'll call it college and career prep. Um, something that I'm always interested in is just how people, they take things from their outside world and, and how it informs other aspects of their life. Um, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, neither of you are full-time professional musicians, correct? <laughs> we are not. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe what do, what do each of you do uh, professionally or what did you study in college also like you know that sort of thing and how has that either impacted or been impacted uh by creating music yeah i could start with that one i um so at, at the time that me and cameron started writing i was uh working for like a a, a cpg company doing marketing um for trash cans and uh it was it was a good job but I um and to be honest I think I could have been comfortable and you know happy there for for a long time but I, I just felt like you know I, I wanted to I, I I've kind of had this I, I really want to help people and uh, you know that's always been something that's really important to me in my career and, and I didn't really feel like I was doing that and so I uh, kind of made a big jump and pivoted to law school. And uh, I just finished my first year there. And uh, my, my goal is to become a public defender. And um, I've uh, definitely learned a lot about the criminal justice system. And uh, you know, that's a huge area of interest for me and, and just like a lot of legal injustices. And that is definitely filtered into a lot of my songs sometimes directly with like, you know, winning the election or. You know, uh, yeah. Like that. Almost all of men do cry seems uh, <laughs> very pertinent there. 
Yes, yes, definitely very. And it's honestly, it's hard for me sometimes to write a song that's uh, that's not in some way political. Um, but you know, I, I try not to. I try not to write songs that are political for the sake of being political. I, I, tr I try to write songs that where politics just happens to intersect with some great inhumanity, and uh, you know, that's that's what I'm most passionate about with songwriting. We talk a lot about how names change really writes about three fundamental things that are parts of our lives. You know, we've got the, we've got the politics, we've got the trains, we've got the ladies, you know, and those, those really are the things that impact us the most. <laughs> and so that's what we sing about, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think similarly, um, well, uh, so I, I'm a consultant. I work in the, the sort of life sciences sector. So um, I work on like gene and cell therapies, I suppose, um, and sort of advising them how to, how to get their, processes and, and um, clinical trials sort of up to scratch for the FDA. Um, but I think a lot of the time for that work, I, I, before the pandemic anyway, I ended up traveling quite a bit and I was kind of rarely home actually. So I think um, a lot of the, a lot of the, the sort of motivation um, that I, I had during the week was just like, you know, how can I make it back to, back to North Carolina? How can I get back to Raleigh? How can I, you know, just, just be back to my sort of normal, normal routine and not flying all over the country doing crazy things. So um, I think for me, that sense of like pining and that sense of um, return, return to normalcy has, um, has been a, a compelling sort of motivator for, for writing songs and, and, um, and just sort of deciding how, how I want to live my life sort of moving forward. Um, we've joked for the past 10 years, you know, that Jacob and I are kind of foils. Um, we're on a video call right now. You can see he's, a, you know, he's the blue, blue eyed, blonde haired, uh, virtuoso. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've sort of got a, a darker complexion and, um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of the best foils forever in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's the, the Banquo to my Macbeth and, um, you know, he's the, the, the lawyer out there trying to save the people while I'm over here in the consulting, consulting world. But, um, but yeah, I think we, we like to play on that, in that, that territory quite a bit. Um, and, and like Jacob said earlier, like that overlap of, of where we come together is really where I think the music is most exciting. Um, you know, those porch jams where we're, we're writing music together and like sort of iterating on, on a song and just sounding it out. I, you know, some of the, some of the best memories that I've had over the past year. So I'm very grateful to, to have had my context um, informed by him over, over the years that we've been friends together. Oh man, you're going to make me tear up. I'm, I'm grateful to have you as a songwriting partner. Dude, I'm look, I was looking at the watch and I was like, I got to get this in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess with that, it is time for us to, uh, with that touching, touching statement there. Uh, it's time for us to hop on the bus. Uh, before, before we go though, you got anything, obviously the, uh, the album six feet from sunrise came out at the beginning of June. Catch that. Uh, what, what platforms can we listen to that? I think we've already mentioned them. YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Yeah. yeah th those are the main ones, but, uh, you, you can get it anywhere. Uh, I think even Pandora. Nice. All right. And uh, do you have any any other social media you want to promote? We can obviously throw some links in the uh, in the podcast notes. I'll get those from you here before we hang up. But yeah, we're on, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You know, if, if you're listening to us, if your parents are listening to us, we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's it for names change. Uh, Jacob Cameron, it's been great talking with you today. Uh, thanks for telling me why you do that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for, for coming on and having us. Uh, Kevin, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. This has been great. Hey everyone. 
Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to be a guest on a future show, or if you have a question for a previous guest, head on over to www.kevinhasapodcast.com and fill out the forms there. Thanks.